I really think that audiences and buyers are going to start holding companies accountable to what they're saying. And even if they're not saying anything, they're going to have to start saying it. And then they're actually going to have to start doing it. They're having to put that talk into action and they're just not going to get away with it. Hello, changemakers and social impact enthusiasts. Sarah Chapman Becerra here. In today's episode, we dive deep into a transformative conversation with Catherine Montgomery, the visionary founder behind the Better Together Agency. Catherine and I originally connected via The Upside, a community focused on supporting independent consultants to advance their businesses. Connections like this just continue to remind me of the power of community and intentional relationship building. I was immediately drawn to Catherine's lifelong commitment to social justice and Better Together's innovative approaches to using communications to achieve equity and social change. And I knew I had to get her on the show. Our chat takes us on a journey through the world of social impact, change, and the power of community. Catherine's insights and journeys are not only inspiring, but a testament to the profound impact one person can have. I can't wait for you to listen. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Trailblazing in Color podcast, where we talk to change makers and innovators focused on upending systems not designed by or for them to create a more inclusive and equitable world. I'm your host, Sarah Chapman Becerra. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Trailblazing in Color podcast. I am thrilled to have our guest today. Let me start by telling you a little bit about her. We're going to jump into a really great conversation. Catherine Montgomery is our guest today, and she is the founder and CEO of Better Together, a communications agency focused on galvanizing positive change for purpose-driven organizations through creative strategies, messaging, and branding. As an experienced communication professional with a background in education, environment, and social justice, Catherine founded Better Together after a successful career in various communications agencies and in-house roles. Throughout her career, Catherine has focused on supporting social justice efforts, utilizing her expertise in media outreach, stakeholder engagement, and community involvement to support marginalized communities. Catherine holds a Bachelor of Science in Public Relations and Marketing from Auburn University and an MBA from the University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Catherine, I am so excited to have the opportunity today to talk about your work, to talk about what brought you to this work and what you're really focused on now. So welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's so different having my bio read, still getting used to it. <laughs> I know. It's all, is that me? Are we talking about me? this <laughs> person. You sound great. Yes, he does. And I can't wait to talk about all of this. But let's start with with Better Together and talking about the catalyst for starting this agency and a little bit more about what you're focused on. Right, right. So if you had asked me a year ago if I would have an agency called Better Together focused on social impact, I would say, yeah, right. What are you talking about? Like that wasn't even on my radar, uh, but it's amazing how things just line up and they lined up uh, pretty remarkably and perfectly for me at uh, fall of last year. So around October, I left my previous agency. I was working at 
And I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. I just knew I couldn't stay there. <laughs> and I was like, I'll go home to Alabama and live with my parents if I have to, uh, which would have been my last <laughs> resort. But I just knew I needed to move on. And so I, you know, was just lounging around looking at Slack one day. And uh, there's this channel called Ladies Get Paid. It has about 50,000 women on it, just from all walks of life. And a recruiter posted for her colleague, actually, because the channel's not even monitored anymore, so nobody can join it. But she posted that a venture capital firm was looking to expand and move into the U.S., and they only invest in public relations agencies. And I had never heard of anything like that. Like, why do you need an investor for a public relations agency? Because you just, you know, find a client, then you have money. It's not like a product. But I was like, well, this seems interesting. I, it could be sketchy. It could not. So I... Just uh, I messaged the uh, the woman who posted and she put me in touch with her colleague and I spoke with her colleague the next day and we really hit it off. It was like instant best friends, you know. And so then she put me in contact with one of the investors who lives in Connecticut and I spoke with him. We actually had some similar contacts on LinkedIn because we had worked at the same agency previously at different times, but knew some of the same people. So that was a great you know, place to start. And then uh, a couple of days later, I met with the other investor who lives in Germany. And um, he asked more hard hitting questions like, how are you going to make money? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I just found out about this like two days ago. So that was crazy how you're just slacking around and, you know, you find this great opportunity. And what I noticed right off the bat is how genuine and nice and authentic it seemed that the investors were. And you hear all these things about how investors can be and what it can be like. And since this type of opportunity had never really crossed my mind, I wasn't really thinking about how they would actually be. But I loved their demeanor and just how supportive they were and open to my idea of having a social impact organization. So I met them in person in October of last year when they were in DC for a conference. And from there, we, you know, just started solidifying the relationship and the partnership. And I built a business plan, which I did not have. I had a Google doc that had, it was literally called CAM, like initials I made up for myself. <laughs> um, and it said all the things like in big capital letters. And so from 2019, I have just put random stuff like messaging, a potential business name, all this different stuff, clients I could have, not knowing what I was going to do with it. And I was able to take that, turn it into a business plan, presented it to them. One of the investors, the investor from Germany was like, oh, this is like Shark Tank in the US. I'm like, please don't make me any more nervous than I already am. But they saw something in me and we really hit it off. I started developing my website with a good friend and branding and in December. And then officially started working with them January 1 and then uh, launched in January 25th. And I know that was a really long uh, way of putting it, but I do have to say that I knew from the beginning that I wanted to focus on helping other people. And I wanted, like, I knew that that had to be the goal of Better Together and we couldn't veer from that. And I think that's what continues to make us unique today. I think about, and I may say it imperfectly, but Oprah's quote about luck being opportunity meeting preparation. And it just feels like that's that's what it was. You had this document that you didn't know if you were going to, you didn't know what you were going to do with it. It was yeah. just a, a place for you to capture all of these ideas, everything that had been happening that felt innovative and new. And then 
all of a sudden this opportunity presents itself. It sounds like you got things together very quickly. <laughs> it was a whirlwind. I mean, one week I'm, you know, again, just watching something on Netflix, I'm sure, and slacking. And then the next I'm writing a business plan and figuring out what colors I want, like branding. <laughs> you know, So it was, uh, it, it went by fast. I'll say that the last quarter of last year was, uh, it was pretty remarkable. It's like when you, I don't know, it's like you're at Walt, Walt Disney World and like your dreams come true or whatever it is. It's just, I find myself saying cheesy stuff, but it really was like you never thought things that you never could have imagined happening come true. And before, earlier in the year, it was the absolute worst year of my life. And it was the hardest time in so many ways, many, many ways. And you really start to stop thinking that things could turn around and uh, they they really did. And you're right. I think preparation was definitely uh, key and also being open to the change because a lot of times we can pigeonhole ourselves into, I have to go in this direction or I can't like veer off and do something totally different. But being open to those different things is really important. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about the the focal points of Better Together and how you engage in this work with clients. Yeah. So I think first we seek out clients and relationships. One, we don't just seek them out to be clients. Like a lot of the times I'm building relationships with people I admire and I love the work that they do. And a lot of times it's turned into, we actually need you. (laughs) And so I don't go out and a lot of times just think, okay, this person, I'm going to try to get them as a client. It's really about building those relationships. And I found some of the best mentors and just people in general to learn from and they've turned into clients and that's wonderful sometimes i get off a call a client call and i i tell ask my colleague like how do we have such amazing clients oh yeah they're helping the world <laughs> like they're helping the world be a better place and as you get off the call like not feeling drained but hopeful and just so happy to be working with them so that's one way of building relationships. And then we also seek out organizations if, if there is a purpose of, you know, oh, this organization is doing amazing work. We would love to work with them. That's how we know that they're aligned with our mission. So we don't really try to seek out organizations just for their money. It's a lot about what impact are they making? Are they willing to change? Are they willing to, oh, we're not maybe doing the exact right thing right now, but we know we need to move forward and we're not just trying to greenwash. We're trying to make an authentic, impactful change. And so that's kind of on our checklist in our mind of, you know, is this organization doing X? Are they willing to have authentic conversations with us and truly understand where they're starting and where they need to go uh, to make that impact? So that's kind of our criteria for working with clients and how we build those relationships. That's That's wonderful, especially because it's more about the connection first and like getting to know each other and what you're about. What's your mission and what's the connection there? What challenges are you typically helping them solve? So when they discover a need, what tends to be the work you're helping them flow through? Yeah, it's it's like a lot of people want to be doing good. They want to be helping the world. They just don't know how to communicate that and how to tell people about it, how to get people involved. And so it's building that community of people to help amplify what their goals are. So like we're one organization we're helping, they support breast cancer survivors. And it's like, how do they get the word out about what they're doing? You know, they they want to help others, 
but um, we need to help them come up with a plan and implement that plan on how to actually get people involved and to help those survivors. Because there's so many women who go through and and supporters who are going through, um, you know, breast cancer, helping those they know with breast cancer or who have survived it. And they don't know where to go. They don't know who to talk to or what to do. And so we're there to help them figure out the best way to do that. So that's one example. Also, I think there are clients who maybe they've been around for a while and they just don't know exactly how to transition into, oh, I'm helping the world and I'm you know trying to be better and it might not be perfect right now, but we're trying to get there. So how do I communicate that? Although people may not like me as I'm saying this, but I want to show that we're being authentic. And so that's kind of a totally different path for a client and one that wants to do well and can do well, but isn't uh, there right now. And so I have to say that better together, we're not, we're not going to take on a client just for the money. We're going to take on a client when we know that they truly want to make a difference. And if that's not happening after three months, then we're ready to let you go. Like it's not, it's not about the bottom line. It's about who we can help. And I, I authentically mean that. I'm not just saying that. We, how would we be any different from any other agency if we took any client? What makes us different is that we have criteria and that we seek out those who are actually trying to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've been so connected to that mission since day one. Yeah, I mean, that's our purpose. Like, that's who we are. And if we didn't have that, then I don't think Better Together would exist. So that's it's our whole being as an agency is what we strive to do is what we wake up to hoping to do and expand every day. Mm. So maybe we could take just a couple steps back and talk about, well, what drew you to PR and communications strategy in the first place? I know you went to school for it. So Talk us all the way back to when you when you first thought, oh, this Very is long a ago. profession I, I want to be in. Yeah. I know. I can't believe the years go by so fast. Um, I honestly don't know where I heard about public relations at first, but the skills to do it really drew me in of having, you know, to be detail-oriented. I loved the fast pace and the having to multitask and learn a lot of different um, industries. I mean, one of the agency, I became a true beekeeper and I learned how to save honeybees and I still have my honeybee suits. <laughs> I went, traveled all over the world talking to beekeepers. And so you never know what you're going to learn. And I think that from way back, you know, when I was a freshman in college, I, I one, I knew marketing. I might, both my parents were in business or they are in business and I knew I wanted to do something in the business world. And then adding on public relations, which was kind of different from the business world, but I knew um, just those skills of writing and being in the public and being around people was just very me. And um, it also stretched me a bit coming out of high school. And uh, so I liked that as well. But I don't know. I just knew from day one and I knew the day I graduated, I knew I was going to work at Edelman in Atlanta and I was going to the big city and it was going to (laughs) be fantastic. And uh, yeah, I I just, I thrived in that type of atmosphere with that type of pressure. And it definitely isn't for everyone and it shouldn't be. It's, It's really intense working at a PR agency. It can be. So, but yeah, I just, I loved it. And so I stayed with it. The only time I veered from agency world was 
when I worked uh, in-house for the cruise line industry, which was very interesting. And I just wanted to try something new out because I hadn't ever worked in-house. And um, I did a lot of crisis work in the cruise industry, so it really wasn't slow, <laughs> I'll have to say. So that was very, it was just a different type of type of atmosphere. But yeah, it was still good. Were you hoping it would be a little slower going in-house? Not really. I was not hoping. I remember like some days there would be a, a little quieter and I'd be like, I don't really know. I guess I'm going to go home. Like, <laughs> oh, it's not 10 p.m. Like what was happening? Um, but I also loved, got to, I mean, obviously cruises are everywhere around the world. So got to travel all over the world. Like uh, we were really focused on sustainability and so meeting with scientists and other people around the world was uh, was great. I think everything kind of, you know, working with honeybees, working on sustainability with the cruise industry, it all kind of started to change my perspective of like, this is what I want to focus on in communications, like ways I can help other, the earth or help people, you know, and not, you know, some of the other projects I had worked on were that, you know, they were in their own way important, but they were directly related to social impact and things like that. So, um, I, and I just thought about that the second, <laughs> but I think that, you know, the things I was working on was kind of leading me down that path of, uh, working in social impact. Right. You never know what those breadcrumbs are going to be, mm -hmm. but we quickly start to learn, okay, I like that. I don't like that. <laughs> this feels bigger than myself. So it fa it sounds like with a lot of the work you were doing, it's like, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than the company or the agency I'm working for. It is having this scalable impact. And now you have an agency that's fully devoted to that. Yeah. And I know it, it hasn't been that long, but. <laughs> it hasn't. <laughs> But you, you've done so much in such a short period of time. I mean, say even, what would you say? It's been six months? It's been three and a half months. Three and a half. So, I, <laughs> so I launched January 25th of, uh, of this year, of 2023. So yeah, it'll be four months this month on the, May 25th. And uh, it was like 10 years. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's been, um, I honestly cannot believe it's only been that long. It, it really feels like a lot longer, but, um, but all good things. And I would say I was, the investors did tell me, you know, it's the first year is going to be really tough. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Like, we're, <laughs> I'll be fine. No, no, it's tough. <laughs> it's very tough. There's so much unpredictability, so many new things you're doing. Every process is from the beginning. I mean, it's literally starting a business from scratch. So like, where's my employee handbook? Where's like a PTO policy? Where's like an onboarding deck? You're like coming up with everything from scratch. And so, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Trial by fire. Yes. <laughs> Drinking from a fire hose. I, I, I feel that. Definitely remember those days early on in my business. It's, it's only been two years and it still feels like I'm in that. <laughs> A lot of the time, like, oh, we right, never <laughs> we, this, this we need this too. <laughs> what are you talking about? And although I, I say, you know, having my MBA is is fantastic, but there's nothing like doing it. <laughs> you know, I mean, learning in a classroom how to run a business is one thing, and I'm glad I have that knowledge. But being in the middle of it, obviously, you know, it's just so different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What has support looked like for you, or what's been helpful in terms of? support in doing all of this? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the investors, MXP Ventures, they've been wonderful, plus their group of agencies. So there's four agencies in Europe, one in Jakarta that are part of the MXP Ventures family. And so their knowledge definitely helps. I'll also say I'm a part of a million different groups. <laughs> and uh, I know we're members of The Upside. And so obviously meeting you, learning from you and all the other members has been um, amazing. And uh, I know Chief has come under some fire from you know, previous members, but the women in chief are absolutely amazing. Um, I have to say three or four are clients now. Um, we created a WhatsApp group for local chiefs and they are so supportive. Like I woke up this morning to like a ton of different texts from people about the NASDAQ article. And I was just like, oh, I forgot I even scheduled it <laughs> to come out, you know? And so just everyone's so supportive of each other and no one's competing, but we're uh, just trying to see everyone succeed. And so I say without those groups, I really don't know if I would have had the knowledge, like just asking, can you share, you know, policy that you have on X, Y, and Z? Can you do this or that? Um, show me the ropes, like just building those relationships have been uh, fantastic. So uh, definitely the people I've met so far, um, family members, uh, although I don't know that they know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, what are you doing? But, um, and the investors have been uh, fantastic too. I, I'm so glad that you have all of that support. And I know we, we have each other, we have the upside and some of the connections we've made there. And I think that is three and a half months in is one of like the biggest lessons that we can impart, impart as entrepreneurs is don't go it alone. Don't try to build all of this from scratch because a lot of it's been done before. Your special, unique superpowers around the work that you do and what you create, no one can do that. But people have these contracts ready to go. People have these SOPs <laughs> yes. or, or processes or recommendations for platforms and payroll and all of these things that yes. you don't have to reinvent the wheel on. But some people don't know that or learn that a little too late. And so I'm so glad that you have a great deal of support and congrats on the NASDAQ article. <laughs> Thank we'll, you. we'll put Thank that you. in the show notes too. <laughs> Thank you. That's, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, and also I was COO at my last, the last agency I worked at, which was, it was like a, it was a startup. So it was like COO plus CHRO plus OO, like, see, like all the other roles that there are. So I was able to get, um, that kind of hands-on experience there too, which, you know, after I earned my MBA, I always wanted to, you know, see if that could turn into running a business. And I wanted to be more in the running an agency part than uh, doing the work as much, which I was able to do both, which is uh, fortunate, same as now. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the actually doing it and being in that role has nothing like, uh, you know, being in a classroom. So I'm grateful I had that experience. Mm-hmm. More trial by fire. Um, yeah. <laughs> in startup world. We make it. <laughs> so many hats. You're accustomed to wearing lots of hats. So that's yes. good. Yes. Well, talking about this idea of, you know, you were saying earlier, some of, some of your clients, it's on a trial period. Like, are they, are they putting their talk into action or is it more lip service? I remember you said that in the, the NASDAQ article. Are, is it more the lip service? And what do you think are some of the biggest challenges 
either with your clients or we know that organizations, they many of them want to focus on social impact and building equity and and creating mm-hmm. more inclusive organizations. But then things get in the way. And so what do you see as some of those big challenges or what are some of your flags perhaps when you know, you know, they they're saying this is what they want, but actually their actions are showing something else like that question. Like fortunately with better together, I haven't come into that situation yet, but in previous roles I have like when ESG before it was really cool to talk about environment, social governance, like it was, we had a client that was one of the largest companies in the world at a previous agency I was working at and they wanted to include ESG in their investor profile like for the month the quarter or whatever they want to talk about what they were doing around ESG which really was nothing <laughs> like they really weren't doing anything but it was a cool new term to use and so it was how can we put this into whatever we're creating for them and I think that that is the main way and I am kind of blanketing it but I think it's the main reason that companies use it is so their investors think more highly of the company and therefore their profits are higher but it's not really so that they can help the world and help improve the environment and social responsibility which is very unfortunate because they have obviously have the means to like they have the financial means to do it they have the the people to do it and the more that we make these terms just so someone can sound good, like the less they're going to feel like they actually have to do good. And we as people, as general public, don't hold them accountable to it. Like how often are we paying that much attention to what they say on an investor call or how much are we you know, paying attention to a news article and saying like, oh, wait, a year ago, this company said they were going to do X, Y, and Z. Did they actually do it? And we might, there might be one or two people, you know, who actually do that, but we have to come together as a group to hold these companies accountable. Otherwise, why, why in the world would they feel like they actually have to go through with it? Especially if it's not their mission to do that. You know, I did give the example once of like, if Patagonia were to say, oh, oops, like none of our clothes were made sustainably, like that would ruin them because that's what they're built on, you know, and that's what why people buy their clothes. So they can't really do that. But if other companies do, nobody's really holding them accountable to like, if their clothes were really made sustainably or not. So I think that's very, very important that we hold them accountable. And I think new generations, Gen Z is, they're going to hold them accountable. I feel so strongly about that, especially this year. And I know that we're almost even halfway through the year, but I really think that audiences and buyers are going to start holding companies accountable to what they're saying. And even if they're not saying anything, they're going to have to start saying it. And then they're actually going to have to start doing it. They're having to put that talk into action and they're just not going to get away with it. The cancel culture, they will cancel things like so quickly and just stop buying from companies. So I think they have to be very aware of it. You're right. And in addition to ESG, I know you've overseen diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And I think that's another thing that becomes so performative, such lip service to, you know, it's trendy, continues to be trendy. And yet there's no resources, there's no investment. And even though all the data shows, everything shows when you invest in this, when you actually are intentional and build build goals around it, around how are we going to improve our organizational culture and make sure people feel respected and valued and like they belong. 
everything gets better. Trust goes up, mm-hmm. speed goes up, costs go down, like ROI is there. Why are we having such incongruence? We are a product of the systems and the society that we're in. It seems like we're just a hamster on a wheel, you know, and it's because if you look at still who's at the top, it's white men. And until we start to diversify our leaders and having more women, which more women are in the C-suite, but more women of color in the C-suite and above, like, it's not going to change. We obviously have a lot of organizations who are focused at the lower levels of hiring people of color, especially women of color. But uh, I don't know, like, until those people are leveled up, there's not going to, they're not the decision makers. So there's not going to be that change. But again, I think we just have to keep pushing forward. We have to realize this is a long game. It's not going to be quick. And that's what some political activists and campaignists know as well. Like they, um, not to get too political, but I mean, when Roe v. Wade was passed back in 1973, Republicans knew right then that it was going to be a long game to overturn it. They planned for 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade. And Democrats weren't paying attention and we weren't looking at what they were doing. And that's We have to take that and realize that we're not going to change the world in one day. It's going to take time, but we have to keep pushing for it. And it will change eventually, but we have to just keep believing that and supporting each other when we're doing that. And um, we will see a difference. Mm -hmm. There was a great documentary on Netflix about Roe v. Wade before it got overturned. I think it came out in 2017. I don't know if you watched that one, but exactly to your point. I mean, they were so organized around it. Like you said, they knew it would take a long time, but they were singularly focused. And I think that's that's an opportunity for us is just more unification, more connection. I think that's the beauty and the power of the work that you do is it's elevating that message. It's elevating what is happening so that people can say, I, I want to support that. I want in because I know I've got all this energy and I don't know where to channel it too. And I think that with with elevating and amplifying the work that's being done, we can see like, oh, there is hope. There is progress. It isn't a dark black hole like we sometimes feel. Like yeah. There are beautiful, positive change happening. We just need more people to know about it and then take action for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. That, that black hole does seem to always be there. Like in Texas... Texas had a very hard day yesterday with the shooting at the mall or on Saturday. And then I don't know if you heard, but a man plowed into immigrants walking across the street and, you know, he's being charged with manslaughter, I believe. But it's just, I don't know, I I hear about those things. I wake up to this news and I just want to be like, what can I do? Like, how, like, who do you go to? Where do you go to help educate to, I don't know, to just amplify what why we shouldn't be doing this, why we shouldn't hate each other, you know? And yeah, I don't know. I just, every time I see something like that, it just makes me want to do something. And I, you know, I'm always talking to people looking for ways that we can figure out how to make the world a safer place. You know, a lot of times my mom asks for uh, my itineraries for every little detail when I go travel abroad. Like I just got back from Milan last night and she wanted to know every, like, place I'd be. And I think it's less safe to be in the U.S. than it is for me to travel in Milan. Like I, I 
you know, people aren't carrying around guns everywhere in Milan, like, and that hate against each other isn't there the same way it is in the U.S. And so sometimes we have to worry more about, you know, walking down the street here than we do abroad. And I think it's just the unknown that a lot of times we're afraid of rather than really knowing what's happening. So I don't know. It just tears my heart every time, you know, and it happens so much, 199 mass shootings this year. And just, I ask myself all the time, like, what am I doing to help that, to help in that? I know I can't do everything, but like I can help in some way. And so um, I'm very open to ideas. <laughs> I'm going to start crying. <laughs> so I think that there are so many of us who feel just like you do, just like I do. It's like, what can I do? I feel helpless until I don't, until I have an avenue, until I have a channel to put this fuel that I have, this energy that I have to make things different, to make things better for those that come after us. And you're doing it in your company, in just the way you operate and share your experiences, I'm sure. And so that makes me hopeful. But you're, and I think that's why we need community also to just say like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. It's so hard to keep going. And yet we know we need each other. And there's so much more good in the world than evil. The evil gets talked about the loudest, but the good is so much more pervasive. And and I see that as your work too, is we're just spreading the messages of the good, the hope, the dreams. I love that. That was so beautiful, Sarah. No, what you do is so beautiful. I think it was <laughs> Octavia Butler calls social justice and science fiction. Like it's just, we're all just imagining that things can get better and we're working every day to, to, to make it a little bit better than the day before. But it is like creating something that we've, that's never existed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantasy. It's so and he took away my, you know, book author. Like if, you, if we're going to talk about my favorite book, um, Octavia Butler, she's just so amazing. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about it since <laughs> you mentioned it. But uh, Parable of the Sower is just, I don't know if you've had a chance to read it, but it's just read it last year and I feel late to the game, but I, I just feel like we're in the moment. You know, she wrote the book in the 90s, kind of, oh, this will never really happen. <laughs> And then it's like our world was just destroyed and we were going through like so much time and pandemic and it was just so, you could see everything happening in that book happening in real life. And it was really scary. And uh, she just was spot on in her writing and her thoughts and the way that she portrayed everyone in the book. And it was just a eye opener to like how amazing she was, at, you know, as a writer and just kind of knowing the world and knowing like, oh, this is science fiction, uh, but not really. <laughs> it's really it reality. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, the the darkness is is reality. And like, what does it look like to, to see the other side, to visualize the other side and share that vision, like, co-create that vision, just as Republicans have, they're unifying, they're singularly focused. That's That's what we need to do. So thank you for that recommendation. It's come up several times and it's like, Sarah, just we just read <laughs> I this mean, book. probably like, I mean, I know it's going to be hard to get through, like. <laughs> not light bedtime reading. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it is not. <laughs> it is not. And there's a great, I'll have to remember it, but a great podcast that goes along with the book that was released maybe a couple years ago. 
And so, you know, like reading a chapter and then listening to the podcast, it like gives you a whole different perspective on, you know, deep down, like what it could mean and different perspectives on it. It's great. Okay. Got some. That's Got some homework to do. Got some homework, <laughs> but I'm excited about this homework. And then I'm going to come back to you. Maybe yes. we'll have another episode. Just break I it love down. It. Oh. <laughs> we'll create our own parable of the sower <laughs> podcast. And for the world we're in right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Plenty to unpack there. Oh, well, <laughs> let's go into, started to pivot into some of these quick takes, the book being one of them. We always ask, you know, what's a book that's a read that changed how you think about the world or how you think about people. So I'm, I'm so excited to dive into that one. I want to ask, this is trailblazing in color, mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, you are paving this way of, of doing this work differently. I want to ask who blazed the path for you? Who blazed these trails? Oh gosh, I would not be anywhere without my parents. And that might sound, I don't know, just like a lame answer, but they were always there. Like, I know that they probably did not have it easy when I was growing up from, you know, financial point of view or just being Black in America, you know, especially in the South. But they always believed that I could do whatever I wanted to. And they never thought about holding me back, except I wanted to go to Boston for college and my dad made me go to Auburn, but <laughs> but it ended up being great. <laughs> and I loved Auburn, so War Eagle. But other than that, I mean, wanting to travel the world, wanting to move out of Alabama, wanting to move wherever I wanted to go. Like they just never, I know they were always anxious and concerned about it, but they never limited me in what I could do. Uh, But I think also when I needed their help, which I think is one of the toughest things for me is asking for help. But I knew if I could go anywhere, it would be to them. And they never questioned. They never said no. They never said like, I don't know, no questions asked. Just whatever I needed, they were always there to support me. And I think they always knew that I was trying my hardest and that if I was coming to them, like I really needed it. So they were, I don't know, just amazing parents. And I think that they never did not believe in me. They always knew I could do it. And recently my mom sent me a card saying how proud of me she was. And I just like stopped (laughs) and cried. And like, (laughs) I mean, how often do you get a random card from your parents like saying how proud of you they are with nothing else, like no expectation, just it's not a holiday. It's just that I'm, you know, proud of you. So I owe it to them. That's amazing. Just I see you, I believe in you. Like to have yeah. that message all throughout your life and look at what you've done. <laughs> look at what you've <laughs> created for yourself and for the world. Well, what are you most excited about right now? Yeah. Well, honestly, in the works is a life changing potential client of Better Together. And uh, hopefully I'm not in a way jinxing myself or anything like that. But by the time this comes out, we'll know. But it's been a journey working with them, being very upfront and honest and really figuring out what is needed. And what makes me so happy about that is like the number of people we can bring along on this journey with us in that you know, how many people we're going to like hire and how much of an impact we're going to have and how much we're going to just be able to do new things to bring the world more aware of how we need to help each other and how we need to support each other and help communities. And just seeing the getting very local and granular with, with uh, in the world of like, we're really changing lives here. There are people who really needed this. 
and we can see it happening. And we're not just up here, but we're like down here in the communities really making an impact. So I'm going to love that part. And I don't know, it's just going to continue to uh, make my dreams and the dreams of, you know, my colleagues and the investors and everyone continue to come true and continue to see that impact. So we're really, really excited about that. I um, also last week hired a full-time employee this week. Today, hiring another full-time employee. We have someone starting on the 22nd, someone starting on June 5th. Like, so it's just growing and uh, any advice is welcome. <laughs> and I, I will say that I've worked at some not so great places. And so I have learned what not to do. <laughs> so looking for, you know, any advice on what to do to make sure that Better Together has a great foundation. I've heard a lot that there are organizations that um, do great work for other people externally, but internally, employees hate it. And I do mm -hmm. not want that, obviously. Like, I want people to love going to work every day so that we provide our clients with even better outcomes. And so really anxious about that foundation and making sure that it works for all of our employees. Well, the fact that you're thinking about it now. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> very well. I'll just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I get so. behind it. Yes. And yeah. having such experience with probably good environments, but also really toxic environments that were not, like you said, that were not, uh, that on the outside looked great, but on the inside, everyone's suffering, work is suffering, and, and people's livelihoods are suffering. And so just thinking about, you know, what do I want this to look like? What are our core values? And now it's like you get to create that yeah, a few months right. in. And it sounds like you've been intentional since since day one, since you said, this is the mission. We're not straying from it. We This is our identity. And then it just infuses into your internal culture too. So yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And I've asked employees to hold me accountable too, that if it ever seems like we're about to stray as an agency that we, you know, stay on that straight and narrow because we are no one without like the right clients. Like we cannot achieve our goals unless we have those right partners. So, and I am not one to hide in the back and just tell people what to do. Like I want people to come to me and say like, Catherine, that was not good. Or Catherine, that was great. Keep going. <laughs> but uh, please, yeah, I encourage all colleagues to uh, be open and upfront about what needs to continue, what needs to stop, how we can do better. Uh, Cause we're all in this together. We're a team. We're better together, right? I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> I'm greater than it. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm so excited for what's to come, Catherine. I can't even imagine what one year will look like and and to stay following the work that you're doing, the impact that you're making, and the vision you're creating for our better world. So I want to ask, how can people stay following and supporting your work? For the long yeah, term. of course. So we're on LinkedIn. I, sometimes I randomly have people follow me on Instagram for Better Together. And I'm like, no, don't. <laughs> I mean, I just like got the not a lot happening. Like, nobody else could take that. <laughs> but LinkedIn is the place for now. Hopefully, we can expand soon. But the Better Together agency on LinkedIn and. Always feel free to go to our website, thebettertogether.agency, and email me, Catherine, at thebettertogether.agency. So happy to chat with anyone and see if we can partner and potentially help change the world. Just all in a day's work. Right? You know, check. 
<laughs> oh, thank you, Catherine, for coming on, for having this conversation, for the work that you do in the world and the impact, the ripple effect that you are creating. So glad that more and more people are getting to know you and what you're building here. And I'm honored to have had you on the show. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you, Sarah. It's always great to see you. You too. More to come. Yes. Um, Maybe more conversation. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Thanks everyone for listening. We'll share more in the show notes on how to find Catherine and, and learn more about the Better Together agency. Thanks everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Trailblazing in Color podcast. If you found this conversation meaningful, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. You can also follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Trailblazing in Color. Season two of the podcast was produced in partnership with the team at Podcast Bestie. And our theme song was arranged by guitarist Troy Chapman. Thanks, Dad. 